the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Nancy Pelosi's husband was brutalized with a hammer by a guy found in his home by police in his underwear. Alex Stein went on Tucker for a really great reminder on fearlessness that I want to share with you guys. We'll check out some major moments from the recent debates as we head into Election Day, which is November 8th. And last but not least, Biden's vaccine tyranny is back again. You guys are going to want to hear this one. Let's get into it. Okay. Before we get into the first topic, if you guys want to know what the left's real plan is for your kids, just look at the reaction to the work Patriot Mobile did in multiple school districts in Texas. The left is losing their minds. Patriot Mobile is America's only Christian conservative mobile phone provider and a force for conservative values. That's because they take a portion of your bill and fund conservative causes and candidates who believe in the sanctity of life, the freedom of speech, the Second Amendment, and they are winning. Patriot Mobile has affordable plans for you, your family, even your business. They offer the same nationwide coverage as the major carriers because they use multiple major networks. Plus, you're supporting conservative values with every call. Go to PatriotMobile.com slash Morgan or 972-PATRIOT is the number you can call. Get free activation with offer code MORGAN. Special discounts also available for veterans and first responders. We love that, don't we? Join the movement now. Make the switch today and a difference tomorrow. That's PatriotMobile.com slash Morgan. PatriotMobile.com slash Morgan or call 972-PATRIOT. Thanks, guys. Okay, to kick off the first thing, I'm sure you guys have seen this because it's kind of a crazy story. We first saw reports that, oh my gosh, someone broke into Nancy Pelosi's house and beat her husband. Then I'm thinking, okay, I'll just talk about that on the show. I'll try and find some reports. But I'm looking at the report the police report, and I'm looking at the articles that are covering all of the details, even from the middle or left-leaning sites, and they're saying that in reality, this third person let the police in, walked in on Paul Pelosi and a guy in his underwear who were struggling over a hammer, and then when the police came in, the guy goes crazy in front of the police and starts beating up Paul Pelosi, Nancy Pelosi's husband, the Speaker of the House, this is like a really big deal, with the hammer. So now the guy is like brutalized. He was in serious surgery. He got really, really hurt apparently. And he was in surgery all day. Um, but it looks like he'll be fine. But it's a wild story. Now, there's so many different things that we could talk about when we're talking about this topic. I mean, we've had so many attempts, unfortunately, to kill people in high positions of politics. And so if that's all this is, then that is, again, disgusting, just like it is with every other situation. Now, I think that a lot of the online conversations that are being had and the state of politics and discourse in America is, is toxic and is leading to violence against our political opponents. And so the first thing that we could talk about is the fact that the left was like, this is right-wing extremism. We saw comparisons on the mainstream media to this being like January 6th. We saw that, you know, it's always the Republicans that do this kind of stuff. But keep in mind, you guys, the same ones furious about this attack on Paul Pelosi, the husband of um, one of the highest Democrats in the country, 
they are the same ones who were mocking Rand Paul when Rand Paul's neighbor, I don't know if you guys remember this, years ago, Rand Paul's neighbor went out to him when he was like mowing the lawn and brutally beat him and put him in the hospital. And that was a huge deal. We have Steve Scalise, the Republicans. I don't know if you guys know this. The Republicans play an annual baseball game, um, like Republicans versus Democrats. I wonder, I don't even know who wins, but I'm pretty sure the Republicans might win quite a lot. I have no idea. But they play it like at the Washington Nationals place in D.C. And it's supposed to be like a bipartisan, fun, sweet thing. But politics these days is just so aggressive. It's kind of crazy that apparently they still play it. They were just practicing at like a random baseball field. And a guy came and started shooting at the Republican Congress people who were out on the field practicing for the bipartisan baseball game. And that was a politically motivated thing. The guy was a radical leftist. He wanted to kill the Republicans, et cetera. And then we also had the guy who just traveled from California months ago to get a taxi or an Uber right to the front door of Justice Kavanaugh after everything got leaked about his potential upcoming vote with Roe v. Wade. Now, we could talk or not not with Roe v. Wade, and <laughs> that happened years ago, but with the case that overturned Roe v. Wade. Now, we could talk about that from the very basic angle of, you know, it's never okay to do something like this. But there are so many strange conversations happening about this specific situation that I just wanted to let you guys know this is a time for critical thought. We need to bring back critical thinking, the ability to look at all of the situation. And so in no way am I saying like, listen, this was the case or whatever, but the fact that the people in the media on the left are so quick to just jump and hate on Republicans after something horrible like this happened, when in reality, the guy is not a right-wing extremist, it says a lot about the state of the country. So I wanted to read you this. It's from Mike, Michael Schellenberger. Um, Schellenberger MD is his Twitter, but he's got like a substantial following. He does a lot of really great writing. And I found this piece that he wrote on Substack. You can read the full thing in detail. But he said, the media are portraying the suspect in the attack on Nancy Pelosi's husband as a man fundamentally driven by right-wing ideology. But it's obvious to anyone who looks that what drove David DePape, I think is his name, David, to violence was drug-induced paranoid psychosis. Neighbors described him as a homeless drug addict with a politics that was, until recently, left-wing, but of secondary importance to his psychotic and paranoid behavior. And so here's the thing, like, this guy's not saying this was a radical leftist that hated Nancy Pelosi, and he wanted to kill him over politics, too. It's like, no, this guy is a, a crazy man who did a lot of bad drugs and had paranoid psychosis. And that's what he's known for. And he did this. And unfortunately, our country is in a state where we have to just politicize everything immediately and attack the other by identifying the villain with the, our political opponents so that we can make a political point. And the point that I'm sharing with you guys is that this is not the case. Okay. We can have two things can be true at the same time, right? We're seeing a rise of political violence in the country, but it's also possible that you know what? A crazy guy just broke into a very high level person's house and started beating them with a hammer. So that's what I wanted to talk to you about. It says, Schellenberg says, and as I discovered yesterday, David lived with a notorious local nudist in a Berkeley home, complete with a Black Lives Matter sign in the window and an LGBTQ rainbow flag emblazoned with a marijuana symbol hanging from a tree. People come and go from the house and the vehicles, neighbors say, in part, partake in the use of a potent psychedelic drug called Ibogaine. 
They go to Mexico and they get this drug, Ibogaine, that's legal there. And then they bring it back here and treat people. Whoa. Wrapped up in their obsession with MAGA Republicans, journalists have missed the real story. David is not a microcosm of the political psychosis gripping America in general. Rather, he's a microcosm of the drug-induced psychosis gripping the West Coast in particular. So I will say this, Ibogaine is not like some evil drug that only bad people do down in Mexico. It is something that helps our veterans quite a lot and people struggling with PTSD because it does a lot of funky stuff with the brain. And by that, I mean good stuff. I don't want you guys to think that Ibogaine from this story is some bad, scary drug that only these kind of people do. But back to what Michael was saying. Not all of the news media missed David's history of drug use, psychosis, and homelessness. CNN reported that a woman named Laura Hayes, who said she worked with David 10 years ago making hemp bracelets, said he had been living in a storage shed. He talks to angels, she said, and told her that there will be a hard time coming. Another woman, Linda Schneider, told CNN that she got to know David around 2014 and that he was still homeless living in a storage unit and using hard drugs. But much of the rest of the news media were swept up in the narrative that David was more like John Wilkes Booth, the fanatical but sane assassin of Abraham Lincoln. So I'm sharing this with you guys again to remind you that it's not always black and white. This is one of those gray issues and people hate that. They hate it so much. Like maybe you wanted me to be like, hey, guys, there was a gay lovers quarrel at Nancy Pelosi's house because the police report says the guy was found in his underwear and we think he was doing it with Paul Pelosi. I would. Before I say something like that, I'm going to need a little bit more information. You truly never know. That's one of the lessons in American politics. You never know what actually happened. I don't trust anything. But what we can do is look at all of the information. So for me, what makes me think that this was definitely a crazy man on drugs who probably snuck in in his underwear or who knows what, and that actually did happen All the information is leading to that versus some right-wing politically motivated thing or some gay lover's quarrel. Now, I'm not saying neither of those things could be potentials, but based on the information we know about, I'm going to go with this one. Does that make sense? (laughs) Now, kind of changing tune a little bit, I wanted to bring something up and just, I, I thought it was really impactful. And I am filming this on a Sunday. I really get in my feels on a Sunday. You know what I mean? I'm trying to get to church. I'm actually late for church right now. I don't want to talk about it. It's been a blast here in Fort Worth. It's Red Steagle weekend. If you guys don't know who he is, I have my public Spotify playlist available for classic country. And then I have one called Homestead Mornings because I have this vision where on my property, I'll have this speaker surround sound system potentially kind of thing where it's all like wired outside under the ground so that you can't see the wires. You know, it's got to be aesthetically pleasing. But Ideally, there would be these little speakers throughout the homestead, and I could play my homestead mornings playlist as I'm doing my morning chores. How much of this is achievable? I don't know yet, but you know what? There's a lot of Red Steagle on my homestead mornings playlist and the classic country. Red Steagles, if you have watched my Instagram story, you are going to know who I'm talking about. It's the guy who sings the Yellowstone Valley song where it says, who knows I might homestead and make her an offer. If her pa accepts me, I'll make her my wife. It's one of my favorite songs. He's one of my favorite singers. And I am just chilling here in Texas for a few reasons. And I go to an event with Jenny Forks, who is a really great public speaker. She's a businesswoman here. I know her from being in Bernie. 
my friend Owen connected us and we're going to do business together on a few things, but she's got an amazing design company, an amazing Western jewelry company. And she does actual like large bulk orders of other companies, merch and t-shirts and stuff like that. So it's a bunch of different things, but she has an amazing story as a mother, as a woman in business, and as somebody who is just a strong, strong soul. And so she wrote a book and it's coming out in November. So we were together and in Fort Worth, and she invited me to be her like little guest at a really big Western company party that was happening downtown Fort Worth, right where I go two-stepping because I like to go to this cute little place down at the stockyards. And so we went dancing after this. And what happens is this is like really wholesome, right? This is not high school grinding kind of dancing in the Northeast. Texas two-step is the best thing I've ever experienced. It, I My face hurts because I smile a big toothy smile the whole time as I'm dancing. And it's like hours. And so my face hurts at the end of the night. But what happens is it's just like one, two, one, one, two, one. So you just do that little step to whatever the pace of the song is. And anybody can really pick it up. It's a lot harder <laughs> to be the guy because the guy has to lead. Like if you're a woman and you could stay light on your toes and just take the guy's lead and do whatever he wants. And what happens is like he guides you with his hands and you can kind of feel the pressure to go certain ways. So you don't really have to do much. You just have to be light on your toes and have fun with it. The guys though have to like worry about moving in a big circle because everybody's moving around as they're dancing in one motion of a big circle around the dance floor and you also can't bump into each other. So it's a lot harder for the guys, but I go and I like it because it's so wholesome. It's so fun. I love the classic country music that we dance to. It's the music that I've always loved. So getting an activity with that too has been awesome. And I also don't have... I've never been like somebody that enjoys going out. And so when I was in Phoenix, for example, I would try and find like a little activity to get me out of the house because I'm self-employed. So my schedule can get kind of monotonous if I don't make the effort to go out and do something after being at work. And I would go and walk around Old Town Scottsdale and what, come on, Morgan, how many walks can you go on? And so that's what I'm really enjoying now is like I have a thing that I do on the weekends after work and it's just a blast. So the other part of that that's so fun is that Everybody there is also very wholesome, especially when you're in the classic country two-step with the older couples. So imagine me, I'm at this place and pretty much everybody is over 50. People are 80 years old at this place and come every single week. And everybody just interchanges their partners. Everybody switches it up. So you do a dance with someone and then you're done and then you can find a new partner and everybody just asks each other to dance. So it's so fun. There was a bunch of new people though when I was there with Jenny and I'm dancing with the first guy at this table. And I was like, what are you doing in town? And he said, we rode into town with the Red Steagle wagon train. And I said, I'm sorry, what did you just say? Now imagine me, little Morgan, chilling in Fort Worth, just thinking she's going for a nice, innocent two-step night, listening to Red Steagle almost every morning, having no idea that Red Steagle is in town for a whole weekend. And it's like a whole shebang. I had no idea. And I said, I'm sorry, what did you just say? You rode into town? And he was like, yes, ma'am. Like, they're all dressed as legit cowboys. It's so fun. They're actual cowboys. And they all ride in, and they've all got their ranches, and they all come with Red into town, and then they set up this little camp, and then they have all these little concerts, and I'm going to church right now after this. But either way, when I found this out, I said, I... I've never been more excited in my whole life. I probably shouldn't say that. Maybe other things. Like I loved when my nephews were born, et cetera. But 
You guys, this has been an absolute blast. So I went yesterday and I got to see Red and he um, signed both my books. I bought both of his books. They're poems. And I figured they'd be really cute, like Western hardworking poems to read to my kids in the future. And so he signed them. He said that I was a darling in the book. Oh my gosh. And I'm thrilled. Now I'm going back because it's going to be Cowboy Church. Cowboy Church. And I couldn't be more excited. So with all that being said, what I love about Red Steagle is the fact that not only in his songs, but he also does a lot of poetry. And these, they're not songs, but he like speaks with a rhythm, like more talking style than Johnny Cash. But he he talks and he shares stories in song form without even singing. And it's just beautiful. I can't even believe he remembers the words of these ballads, but he just says them and I'm like uh, in a trance. But they are all about values. And so he said something yesterday of like, you know, there's two things that need to stick with people and that we need to pass down. One of them is to ride for the brand. And the other one is to be somebody that you would want to be in river country with because river country is hard. I mean, you're crossing rivers, you're doing a lot of rigorous stuff and things are on the line. And so do you want to be dependable? Do you ride for the brand? And do you want to be somebody that's trustworthy in hard terrain? And it was so refreshing. I, the whole room is, of course, older Americans. And so it makes me kind of sad, but there were a few younger people. The bottom line is I think we just, we've lost this connection with actually physically talking about values. What does it mean to learn lessons? What does it mean to be loyal? What does it mean to actually communicate with all people of all ages, especially older to younger, about the importance of values, uh, the most fundamental things we've taken them for granted. And so having him just sit there in a room where everybody's just kind of seated, it was a few hundred, I would say, in the room, but it was very small and intimate. And he's just sitting up there in a cute little red vest, singing a song. He said, I ride for the brand of the man with the nail scarred hands. It's a really good song about Jesus, of course. And he sings a song and then he, he would talk for maybe five or 10 minutes about another story in his life where he learned this value. And everybody was silent, just listening to him up there on this tiny stage. And he's just quietly talking into the microphone. It was the best experience ever. And I say that because I just saw a video from my friend Alex Stein, primetime Alex Stein 99. And I'm sure you guys have seen his work, whether you like it a lot or not. Everybody has their own perspective and, and view on it, but I wanted to do a little shout out to him because I saw this video that really made me emotional and it was right after I went and saw the whole Red Steagle Values conversation. So it was really perfect timing and I thought it would be good for us to discuss this. Here's my friend Alex Stein on Tucker a couple days ago. And this is happening and she can't say word one about it. And yet Penn State tells us that Alex Stein doesn't share their values. Okay. Alex Stein shares our values, and he joins us tonight. Alex Stein, great to see you. So why do you think Penn State, you get spit at by a woman at a mob on Penn State's campus. You have to be driven away by police. Why can't the president of Penn State, Neely Benaputi, say that's wrong? Well, because this is an indoctrination camp from middle school to high school to college. These kids are radicalized to have these leftist ideologies that are not beneficial to society. So these people... <laughs> 
actually literally spit and assault us in public, and they're defended by their administrators. So this is the sad reality in which we live in. And Tucker, I want to make this point. I want to start off by making this point. A lot of people after this protest footage went viral, they say, Alex, you're fearless. Don't you get scared when you go in front of these protesters? And I, and I want to say this. Today's October 25th. I don't want to get emotional. My mother died one year ago today, and she died in my arms from the protocols in the hospital, given remdesivir without my authority. So watching my mom die, there's nothing scarier than that. So me seeing a bunch of idiot college kids spit on me and yell at me, I have no fear. And that's what I want to try to express to the people out there. She spit on me, but the government and these people that are in power are spitting on us every day and telling us it's raining. So all I want to do is try to wake people up to the harsh reality in which we live in, Tucker. Well, and, and you are. I mean, and you are. And I don't know why the president of Penn State makes $1.3 million a year. Welcome on this show anytime to explain why she deserves a salary like that at a public university. Can't say it's wrong to spit in people's faces. She should be ashamed, and she's always welcome on this show. Neely Benapudi. Alex Stein, you are brave, and we appreciate your coming on tonight. Thank you. Wow. So I've been friends with Alex for the last year, and I think the last year at least. I don't even know anymore. Time is flying by, but yeah, his. Mom passed away last year due to potentially conflict with a treatment she was given in the hospital um, for COVID. And Alex wasn't able to participate in objecting to what happened. Now, that's a very sensitive subject. And I think the frustration that he feels is something that so many Americans are also feeling. And I feel like our powerful elite forget this or look past this, but they have, and we see this in New York too, I'll get to that, but our politicians have completely overlooked the fact that so many Americans lost their loved ones in the most degrading ways. I mean, if you think of just what they did to people who didn't have COVID, they made women give birth alone with a mask on in a hospital room. Parents that were going to their first ultrasound were not allowed to go in. Only the mother could go in to experience hearing the heartbeat for the first time. They broke down bonds between humans that we have never seen before in America. And it was disgusting. These small but impactful moments of our lives, we were told you can't have your wedding. You can't have people at the funeral of those who die of COVID. You have to keep it small, only immediate family. You cannot visit a family member in the hospital even if they are dying. That is disgusting, disgusting stuff. They were trying to convince us to hug each other through plastic screens. I mean, really? It's sickening and it, it dehumanizes us in this really nasty way. Same thing with the education of our children where they just said, oh, they're resilient. They'll bounce back. What do you know? That's just not the case. And if you are a listener of this show, and first of all, if you haven't hit subscribe, please do so. But if you've been listening and you've heard me say this, then you know exactly what I'm talking about, where children are not resilient. And in this long haul, this long walk of their attempt to remove the innocence of childhood. They are sexualizing our kids, indoctrinating our kids, but also just removing their innocence in a very fundamental way of, guess what? Children don't have developed brains to a certain extent, and they rely on adults in their lives to guide them to be 
the leaders and to give them uh, an understanding of how the world works, of how society works. And so all of these fundamental things, it disgusts me to think that they've removed that. Now, taking it a step further to what Alex and so many people are experiencing, our politicians and this corrupt healthcare system and the reaction to solving the problem of the pandemic they have had massive consequences on individuals, on family units, on communities, and looking at it from a political sense, on the relationship between the people of America and its government. And I am a big believer in the importance of having a healthy distrust of the government. I'm not an anarchist. I understand that we need a structure and an organization to how society functions. And we need to have a system that ensures the protection of our rights that are given to us from God and the insurance of justice. But what do we do in a country where we're told that it's written on paper? I'm, I'm sitting here right now at my microphone looking at my wall and I see a cross and I see beautiful pictures of bison. I see a little Zegers Freedom flag. I see my little constitution that's resting on it. I see the magazine that I got from Ready Gunner to honor Neil Curry. I put that right on top of um, my most important wall because it's a really important memory. I'm not going to get all emotional and tear up right now, but he took his own life because of the PTSD that he had um, from his time in service. And so I added that to the wall. But on that wall too is the, the Declaration of Independence. And it is so important that all of these things are considered moving forward for our country of, of how we're losing the big picture, sight of the big picture. And what I see in this is as hard as it is to learn these lessons, we have gotten away for many decades from this healthy distrust of the government that we should have. Again, I'm not an anarchist, but we should understand that no matter who is in power, no matter what kind of structure of government you have, there will be human nature that often is evil and corrupt. And we have to keep that healthy distrust of the people in power, of institutions, of corporations, and of our government, no matter how wonderful our country really is and our history is compared to all of human history, we still have our flaws. And I'm totally willing to call out the flaws that our government has, because first of all, it's completely far away. We have abandoned what our founders intended for this nation, where we were supposed to be a, a constitutional republic made up of these individual powerful states that formed together to create a small but strong federal government that would help operate everything and keep us working in unison, keeping us coordinating instead of constantly fighting with each other like all the little mini countries over in Europe that are bordering each other. But this is all to say that the sadness and the frustration, the anger that Alex Stein showed there. And we especially saw that too in New York, like I was mentioning earlier. I'm from upstate New York and I was there in the early stages of COVID. My dad got deployed for, he's a, he was in the reserves at the time. He recently retired, but he's a colonel in the reserves and he was trying to you know phase out of the military. And right as he joined the reserves, I mean, terrible timing, COVID hit and his reserve thing was out in Utah. The Utah people got sent out to the field hospitals on the West Coast. Remember the ones that were like costing a million dollars a day, but nobody was in them because it was all just a power play for politicians that wanted to go against Trump. But I digress. My dad was sent out to Utah in the first months of COVID. My mom was alone on the property. And so I had recently moved out of my apartment and was like, you know what? 
I'll just hang out with you. And we didn't know how many times or how many months we were going to be together because nobody really understood what the whole 15 days to slow the spread was. So at first it's like 15 days. My mom and I are watching, uh, what was that movie? the show, uh, Tiger King. We were watching Tiger King and eating popcorn. We were doing two-step dan- uh, lessons and stuff and line dancing lessons in the house because everybody was doing like the Zoom things and just keeping entertained. And we like redid the basement. We did all the usual 15 days to slow the spread hobbies that everybody else was doing. But then it turned into 30 days and then it turned into months. And I was able to see how, wait a second, why is New York getting worse and worse in terms of tyrannical practices to solve the pandemic as other states are opening up? As other states are saying, actually, wait, we're going to make sure that we're protecting the constitutional rights, the freedoms of the people. We're not going to shut them down. But I was in a blue state where they were telling us that we couldn't go about our lives. Businesses were not just closing down because they had to close down and close their doors due to the government's regulations over COVID. No, instead, they financially couldn't stay open anymore and they closed for good. There was no, hey, when, when, COVID's, when COVID's done, we're going to just open our doors again once the government lets us go back. No, the, the government ended those businesses, not directly, but by passing those requirements to shut their doors and stop doing the work that puts food on the table, the business collapsed. These sick politicians did that to so many people across the country. And then to make matters worse, what was New York also doing? You had Andrew Cuomo, who resigned over sexual harassment or whatever claims in the workplace. But I hope you guys understand. He left office to avoid getting more attention and backlash and potential punishment for what he did when he forced nursing homes to accept COVID positive patients into their homes, knowing that elderly people were living in there that didn't have COVID. Now, you guys all know this by now. The number one population in America that's at risk for COVID was the elderly. They are the most at risk. And Governor Cuomo and his lackeys decided to force nursing homes to accept COVID positive patients into the halls. The COVID stuff spreads by the air. And what do you know? Tons, thousands of elderly New Yorkers died in those nursing homes because Cuomo forced COVID positive people into the nursing homes. It's disgusting. So that's why he left. That's a whole other topic. But the bottom line is then they got exposed. Then they got caught fudging the numbers. Then they got caught trying to hide it. And it just keeps getting worse and worse. So this has happened in so many nasty ways to so many people in this country. And I was personally just so frustrated by the New York situation that all of this emotion is now leading to a revolution of thought that we are seeing in our country. And to wrap things up on this topic, you guys, I just need to say it's so nice to hear Alex Stein talk about being fearless. I mean, when you have a deep sense of purpose and when you know what's truly valuable in life, and he understands this, family, he understands the the need for freedom, the importance of those things. He's able to, with a smile on his face, go up against tyrants, go up against totalitarian little protesters that want to spit on and use their fist to knock down political thought opponents. He understands that and he's able to enter that debate. And it's not even a debate. It's a screaming match with those people. He's not screaming. He's just like, I got a big smile on his face. But it's like, you know what? I've seen what actual loss is like. I've seen the worst of it. And I need to stop you sickos. So I'm going to do this with joy. And it reminds me of a Breitbart quote. 
it was something about how it's like, you know what? He's losing so much in his life and he's, he has all these haters and stuff like that. But at the end of the day, this is in Righteous Indignation, by the way, by Andrew Breitbart. He's like, when you have the American people on your side, it is fun. And that is such a good quote of like, you know what? This is crazy. We're in crazy times right now. We have a lot of people that truly want to see the end of our, our nation as it stands. And we already are so far away from what our founders intended. But when you understand that there are so many people on your side who believe in righteousness and truth and wholesomeness, goodness, it is fun to be a part of this fight. So I appreciate that. And I appreciate Alex for being so open on Tucker. That was very sweet of him. Now, you guys, before we move on, I just got to let you know, you have all helped build MyPillow into the incredible company it is today. And now, Mike Lindell, inventor and CEO of MyPillow, wants to give back to the Morgan Zegger Show listeners. Right now, MyPillow is offering exclusive offers on their bed sheets, their six-piece towel set, and even offering an extended 60-day money-back guarantee. Orders placed now through December 25th, Christmas, will now have an extended money-back guarantee through March First, the bed sheets are marked down as low as $29.98 with code MORGAN. And believe me when I say you will get a great night's sleep in these. I use them. I have the towels and the slippers. And I tell you what, you guys, people don't believe me when I say I get like a really big code to get a big discount when you use code MORGAN. And then they actually use it and they're like, oh. Thanks, Morgan. That's actually really helpful. So I'm just saying, if you actually go to the site, you'll save a lot of money if you want to use this stuff. And I use it all the time. It's very cozy, especially when I move and I need to kind of like freshen up on what I use. Their six-piece towel set is made with USA cotton, comes with two bath towels, two hand towels, two washcloths, typically retailed at $89.98. But with code MORGAN, it's $39.98, you guys. That's a big deal. Uh, there is a limited supply, so be sure to order now. Order before Christmas. Call 1-800-738-8374. Use promo code MORGAN or go to MyPillow.com. Click the radio listener square and use promo code MORGAN. Thank you. Okie dokie. So two things that I wanted to call out about the debates. We had all across the country debates heading into November 8th, Election Day. I want to call two situations out. One, we had Kathy Hochul, and she's running for re-election to become... New York governor. Now she's never been elected before. She remembers she was lieutenant governor and then Andrew Cuomo stepped down. She became the first female governor. Now she's running to actually be elected. So I guess the term wouldn't be reelected, but needless to say, this woman and Andrew Cuomo and all of his lackeys were all responsible for what I had just talked with you guys about earlier going on in upstate New York and not even just upstate New York. I'm just passionate about upstate New York going on in New York state, I should say. And you would think that these tyrants learned their lesson now that the science is out, now that we're seeing the backlash, now that we're seeing the struggle of all the business, all the children, everything. The fact that we just had the New York Supreme Court shut down a huge mandate that had the requirement for getting the vaccine to stay employed. All of this is now happening. And there is a tidal wave against these tyrants regarding their COVID practices. But what do you know? Kathy Hochul, in the debate, said, I would do it again. And I just had to just had to show you guys this one because, wow, wow, shots in arms. And I would do it all over again when I did last year, that mandate for health care workers. 
You heard it there, folks. She would do it again. If you give her more power, she will force more things into your body. She believes in getting away from free will, in autonomy over yourself. And instead, if you want to put food on the table, guess what, folks? You better comply, okay? We're getting away from choice and freedom in America and now embracing force, and it sickens me. Now, what else did Kathy say? She has one more thing that I wanted to bring up before we move on to the next guy. But Kathy Hochul, the governor of New York. Now, if you guys haven't noticed, every week there's more viral videos about crime, murder, disgusting things happening in the major cities, especially New York City. Kathy Hochul decides to what? Question her opponent, Lee Zeldin, when he's concerned about crime. She's like, I don't even know why you care. Look at what she just said about crime. I, I got to say, wow, is she just bad at debating or is this her heart? They're not being represented from this this governor who still to this moment, we're at, what are we halfway through the debate? She still hasn't talked about locking up anyone committing any crimes. OK, anyone who commits a crime under our laws, especially with the change they made to bail, has consequences. I don't know why that's so important to you. All I know is that we could do more. Well, when I say we that could we do should more, remove, excuse I'll, me, I'm speaking. Sure, go ahead. We could do so much more. If there was a nationwide ban, but certainly a state ban on teenagers being able to get guns, assault weapons. I mean, that's what I don't know why that's so important to you. Uh, maybe because Lee Zeldin is running for governor of New York state. There is a massive crime issue in New York state that affects the people that he's trying to represent. And ideally, this might be a little crazy. Ideally. A politician should be in office because they care about the people, they care about the families, they care about the children, they care about the communities, they care about the state, they care about the country. And so if a major problem is happening that's physically hurting, and not only that, but just bringing the state back in general in terms of policy and politics, but then also physically hurting the people, yeah, that would be important to me as a candidate. And so it's important to Lee Zeldin. So Kathy Hochul, what are you thinking? Now, here's the thing. I, I could make an entire episode where we just go through all of this next guy's mistakes in the debate. Fetterman. Fetterman is running for Senate against Dr. Oz in Pennsylvania. Dr. Oz is running as the Republican Fetterman won the Democratic primary, and so he is running against Dr. Oz, but he had a stroke. Now, they're not releasing his medical information. He claims doctors say that he is okay, but it's coming out more and more that it turns out they kind of fudged that information. They aren't being fully truthful about the serious impact that it had on his mental state and capabilities. And what I wanted to say here, I'm just going to show you one example. But he spoke like this through the entire debate, okay? Actually, I'll show you this one example on inflation, and then I will show you why I'm concerned about it. How about that? So the Fetterman-Dr. Oz debate just ended. Holy smokes, full-blown 30-car Amtrak derailment for Fetterman. Here he is explaining how he'd handle inflation. Here's what I think we have to fight about inflation here right now. That's what we need to fight about inflation, you know, right now because it's a tax on working families, you know. And Dr. Oz can't possibly understand what that is like. Oh, it gets better. If that guy's elected senator from the state of Pennsylvania, you'll have real concerns about the system being legitimate. We'll have the whole thing. Okay, so clearly he didn't say anything in his answer. He, he was very, very discombobulated, let's say that. Now, 
again, I could go throughout his entire uh, list of bad responses, but instead I just want to say one thing. I've talked before about how my biggest frustration with Joe Biden is that he's an incredibly corrupt man. He's a bad man. He is evil, if you ask me, because he's doing business. He's having his son do business with evil regimes especially communist China. They're getting a ton of money from that using Joe's power. And what Hunter Biden, the drug guy who is always getting involved in bad prostitute circles from Russia. He's the guy that's getting paid like $85,000 a month from these corrupt companies overseas from our foreign enemies. But he has no experience in any of that kind of stuff. So, so what would get him that kind of payment other than the fact that he's the son of the former vice president. And of course, now he's president. But I'm concerned because people are able to look at Joe Biden now, the senile old man that he is, who can't even walk around without looking lost or potentially falling off the stage. And they they kind of dismiss the corruption accusations and are just like, oh, well, now he's just an old guy that's got to go. No, I don't care about his age right now or the fact that he is like he looks like he's in outer space. I care about the fact that when he was very present, and maybe he still is, and this is all an act, when he was present, he was doing some nasty things and getting 10% for the big guy. The big guy, Joe Biden. These were emails between Hunter Biden and business partners from foreign countries that the United States does not get along with. 10% for the big guy. So Joe Biden gets paid from Hunter Biden's corrupt foreign business dealings. That's the kind of stuff that I care about. And I'm concerned that when Joe Biden goes and behaves in such a way, people are like, oh, what a sad old man. Jill's got to get him off the stage. He shouldn't run again, stuff like that. It's like, you know what? I am concerned that he's not going to get the full impact, the full justice that he deserves because he's going to be like, oh, well, he's already out of office. He's old and, and we should just let him go retire or whatnot. I want him to be held accountable. And I don't think he is going to be because they're hiding behind this cloak. Now, the second aspect of that is the fact that because he's so senile and doesn't answer questions correctly and just kind of uh, mumbles and, and says all these random things, we're able or they are able to dismiss it as like, oh, crazy Joe. He's just old and he doesn't know what he's saying. He just read the teleprompter wrong. He just misunderstood the question. He just misspoke. So he says stuff and then his staff corrects him after the fact. It means that he is a puppet. It means that the people behind the scenes, the faceless bureaucrats that weren't elected, who knows who is in the White House? Who knows who is in the executive branch? It's all controlled because he's not in charge. And so that's the second step of that. That leads us into the issue with Fetterman. Fetterman, because he had the stroke, that is one situation. We shouldn't judge people for that, and we shouldn't ever be discriminatory against people. But the bottom line is that he is now taking it into politics, where they're saying, oh, well, you know, he had a stroke, so we can't understand things sometimes. He needs a teleprompter. He needs to be able to have a little thing in his ear to hear from staff so they can help clarify for him and all of this stuff. But now he's denying policy standpoints on stage and what can hide behind the veil of of having mental issues from what he recently experienced. And I don't think that is safe. I don't think that is acceptable. Here's what I mean. Here's one example where they're saying, oh, well, this is, he said this because he had a stroke. He struggled with the question. I think he's just lying like any usual politician and he's able to get away with it by using this excuse. Here is him being asked about how the fact that for years he's been saying he's against fracking. Now on stage, he's saying he's for fracking. 
I do want to clarify something. You're saying tonight that you support fracking, that you've always supported fracking. But there is that 2018 interview that you said, quote, I don't support fracking at all. So how do you square the two? Uh, I, I, I do support fracking and I don't I don't I support fracking and I stand and I do support fracking. OK, thank you. Like, what even was that? You know what I mean? So that's all I'm going to say about that. It's concerning. If we accept this kind of behavior from people that are running for U.S. Senate, then I I question our ability as voters. But I guess we could look at many other examples and say the same thing. Uh, You guys, keep your eye on that one, please. Apparently, Dr. Oz is now leading in the polls and won the debate in terms of public perception, like 83 to 17 percent. Last thing. Here's Joe Biden. If you if you just wanted another little covid tidbit, here he is talking about what the fully vaccinated people need to do to just be good little sheeps. Okay? And if you're fully vaccinated, get one more covid shot once a year. That's it. Jeez. <laughs> that escalated quickly. So if you're fully vaccinated, if you got the shots, if you got all your boosters, now all you got to do is get one more shot. Well, that's one more shot every year of your life because it's basically like the flu. You guys, if you ever hear someone on the left who's pushing this COVID BS tell you that they stand against big pharma and profits in healthcare, and that's why we need to socialize the healthcare industry in America because it's all controlled by profits, please just let them know that the biggest healthcare scam right now are these big pharma companies getting the government to require us to get a non-working vaccine slash shot. It's disgusting. The money's going right into the pockets of the people that make this stuff. Imagine getting to make a product that doesn't work, but you have all the connections in the government that allow you to get the politicians to vote to force this into people's bodies every single year. And now you've just created artificial demand that is forced for your product that doesn't work, but hey, at least you get paid. That's a really serious problem. And if the left ever tries to talk about socialist healthcare with you, but can't address how this is an issue with big pharma and the vaccines, then they are not serious about actually finding a solution. Our healthcare is very broken in America, but it takes serious people. The adults need to sit down at the table and there's very few who are willing to do so. Now, the last thing before I actually leave, because I want to clarify something, That does not mean that capitalism or the free market in healthcare is evil and should be replaced with government control of profits. No, no, no. What's happening here is called crony capitalism. It's where people in power, people in power in government help people in business to create unfair systems that create winners and create losers. It's not real free market economic freedom. Okay, please, please don't let the socialist trick you on that one. You guys, thank you for tuning in. I appreciate it. I hope this one was helpful. I hope you guys have a great week. Happy Monday. If you haven't yet, hit subscribe. I appreciate it. Thank you.
three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.